The following audio is from The House in Rogers, Arkansas. More information about The House Church can be found at www.welcometothehouse.com. Today we're going to be talking about the mission. Um, missions is kind of one of that, um, those church words that we throw around a lot. Um, but, but, but if you haven't been in church, it's like mission, like like impossible mission, you know, what, what, what mission are we talking about? Um, and so we're just going to start off real quick of kind of defining what missions is. And I think the best way to do that is to start off by what missions is not. So number one, missions is not hipsters traveling the world. It's not just putting on your skinny jeans, going backpacking Europe and saying, all right, here we are. Um, God use me. You know, that though there are, um, you know, there's definitely stuff to be gained from seeing the world and seeing um, people of different diversity and um, being, learning from that. That is not why we go. That's not the purpose why we're there. Secondly, missions is not just community service projects. No, no one in Belize right now is getting community service hours. No, 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 no one's um, going down there just to build schools or just to um, have little church camps or just have little um, you know, uh, seminars for people. Everything we're doing is for the purpose that they would know their Father in heaven. And that is why we're there. Um, number three, missions is not a checklist to get to heaven. Um, but believe it or not, many religions of the world um, try to make it that way, that we evangelize, that we share our faith as part of a checklist in order to get to heaven. That's, that's religion. That's not the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. We, we work from grace, not for grace. We work, we work because of God's love, not for God's love. And lastly, missions is not trying to earn favor with God by sharing our faith. And this may sound kind of similar to the last one, but it's just, I feel like a lot of times within Christian culture, and this is me, I've um, grown up in the church, and so I, I feel like I've seen you know, every, every great part of the church and also a lot of the flaws of the church. And um, one, of the, one of the kind of false beliefs that I think gets put on missions is sometimes is this uh, hierarchical pyramid that we have of at the bottom, you know, we, if we're going to take every Christian in the world and we put them into some category. And so at the bottom, we have Christians who, who work in the business world or work, um, work to make money. That, that would be myself. Uh, I, I'm a logistics engineer at J.B. Hunt and, uh, you know, provide for the family that way. And also, um, but it's like, well, you know, you're not really, you're not really, you know, serving the kingdom. You're just, you're just working. That's not true. Then, then above that, we have, you know, we have um, Christians who are in a service industry, you know, in a uh, teacher or a nurse. That, that's why I married a nurse, you know, <laughs> increase my spiritual stature just a little bit. Um, so, then above that, we have pastors, you know, then, then the, to, to final it off, you know, the top, the top block of the pyramid, we have missions. And the angelic choir comes in behind of, for missionaries, for those who have been called to the nations. But let me tell you, that is a, that is a lie of the enemy. And, and, and as ridiculous as it sounds, the, 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 I'm sure there are people in this room, myself included, who have, who have tried to like work your way. All right, if, if I just do this, you know, maybe, maybe I can be like another tier. There is nothing that we can do that can ever make God love us more. His love for us is already complete. There is nothing that we can do in order to just make God have more favor upon us. His favor is for us, not against us. And so um, missions truly can just be summed up by one statement, that, um, that missions is our response to the, call of the, to the call of God to reach the nations with his name. 
that God's intention has always been that his name would be known among the nations. Um, now, you know, we may think of, okay, if God is truly God, you know, and he's omniscient, you know, he's omnipresent, he's everywhere at once, well, you know, he, he could do this on his own. And that, that's true. You know, if he wanted to, he could, you know, come to Mowgli from, from the Jungle Book, you know, his little disentribe in India of just, <laughs> Mowgli, I'm God. <laughs> Accept Jesus into your life. And Mowgli, you know, he's thinking, you know, you know, there's this tiger, you know, I don't know what's going on, like, uh, what, what does it even mean to accept Jesus into my life? Well, what, what am I supposed to do with this? And that's where, that's, where, uh, that's where we come in. That's where God actually empowered us. God actually wants to be co-laborers with us and going to the nations. He could do it by himself, but he doesn't want to. He has actually given us the responsibility to go to the nations. And so that is, that is what we're going to be talking about today. Um, and I, I'm just getting excited just even thinking about it. And so um, uh, my, my wife told me before I came up here that um, I need to be within 10 seconds of my notes at all times in, in case I go off on a tangent. So, 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 so I, so I kind of mark off where I can walk to and still be within 10 seconds of getting back to my notes. Um, but uh, the, the, this specifically... Um, can be kind of summed up and through the Great Commission. And, and the Great Commission is really just kind of um, another one of that, you know, that church lingo, that, that church verbiage that we kind of use um, of like, all right, but what actually is the Great Commission? Well, what does it mean um, to have the Great Commission? And, and, and we can truly sum it up here in Matthew 28, 19 through 20, which says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. And these are, the, the context for this is Jesus' kind of last words. He's defeated um, the grave. He's defeated sin. He's rose from the dead. And he's spending his 40 last days here on earth with the disciples. And this is right before he ascends up to heaven. And so he, he's given this command, Matthew 28, 19 through 20. And it's a great verse, but, but it's only one verse. But if we look at it, in the other Gospels, we see that it was also documented in Mark 16:15. And Mark 16:15 says, "And he said to them, "Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation." Then once again, he comes back again in Luke 24:46 through 47, and said to them, "Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. This is three out of the four Gospels. The birth of Christ wasn't even documented in three out of the four Gospels. That's how important this is, that, 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 that they take this and we are to use it, that we are not just simply to read this scripture and let it pass by. In fact, the only Gospel that it's not written in is the book of John. And the book of John's finishes off by saying, and if all the words and all the miracles of Jesus were written down, it would fill all the books of the earth. That is how important the Great Commission is to what we do and to what we live by. And we look at this, you know, and I don't know about you guys, but you know, I start to read this, you know, I'm kind of thinking about, thinking through the scene, you know, you got, you got the disciples there as Jesus ascending to heaven, 
And you got, uh, you know, Peter's just, you know, here, there, just screaming, like, yes, God, I'll go. You know, yes, Jesus, wherever you want me to go. Like, I, I stepped out of that boat that one time, like, and I'm ready to go. I I'm ready. Wherever you want me to go, I I'll do it. You got James, you know, James just, just awestruck, you know, just, just staring up in the clouds, just. <laughs> but, but, but then you got John, and, and John's just a puddle of tears, you know, just, just absolutely losing it. Like, here is the creator of the universe, you know, in the flesh, coming to earth. He's defeated the grave, and now he's ascending into the clouds. I mean, this has the makings of like a superhero movie, you know, like Superman, you know, to his final vigilante follower of like, you, like, you, you've seen that I've defeated evil and darkness forever. Now it's your turn. It's your turn. And, and like, it gives me goosebumps, you know, just thinking about it. And, you know, any, any movie, you know, Lord of the Rings, Braveheart, Gladiator, any of those great man movies, you know, that I grew up on, you know, <laughs> um, I'm just like, that is what, that is what it's, um, you know, I'm playing through my mind. But this is not just the one time command of Jesus. This wasn't just, all right, here are my final words. This is actually God's purpose that he has had for us. The entire Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, we will see that God's purpose has always been the same, that his name would be known among the nations. Starting with Genesis 1.28, that says, Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. This is so that his name would be known. This is the very first command that he gives to mankind. The very first. Then again, we see with Moses. Um, or sorry, we'll, we'll back up even from there. Um, then we see again with Abraham that he says, I'm going to make you a father of many nations so that my name would be known. Then again, we see with Moses. Moses didn't just um, deliver the Israelites out of Egypt from the rule of Pharaoh, but he took them to the promised land so that they could be a light that the nation of Israel would then speak of, we were delivered through the Red Sea. The Red Sea split, and the, the Israelites walked through, and then it collapsed back on the Pharaoh and the, his Egyptian sol soldiers. That that's truly the, the testimony that they were going to give to the nations. And then, uh, again, we, we see it played out once more with David. And David, we know as the, the mighty um, conqueror who united the nation of Israel. We see um, how, how powerful David's rule was. But we also see his love for God. That they call him a man after God's own heart. And 1 Chronicles 16.24 says... One second, let me find it here. Oh, perfect. You guys are on top of it. Um, that... Um, we would declare his glory among the nations, his wonders among the people. And this is when, uh, just to give context of this verse, this is when um, David is worshiping at the, um, at the Ark of the Covenant, when he's, you know, he, he, he's fought, you know, a good fight, and he's standing there, and he's like, what is it that we're actually doing this for? What is the purpose of why, why we're fighting? Why is the purpose of bringing this nation of Israel together? And it's this right here, to declare his glory among the nations, that his wonders among all peoples. And so, now, now we're actually going to um, pause on the Old Testament and fast forward to the New Testament. Um, but, well, I, I actually, I, well, we, we got one more, actually. Sorry, I'm skipping ahead of myself, but we got one more. Of, of Solomon, 
Solomon, David's son, builds this amazing temple, this immaculate template temple in Jerusalem that people would come from all over the world to worship God at this temple. The queen of Sheba from Africa comes to worship the temple, worship at the temple to worship our God. That is God's purpose. That already the nation of Israel is reaching the nations so that, so that God's name would be known. So now we're going to fast forward to Romans um, of after, the, after Jesus Christ, and we see Paul, who Paul wrote the, um, the book of Romans. And uh, we have Romans 10, 14 through 15, which then says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And then it also goes on to say, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. And I, I, I don't know about you, but how, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. That, uh, that's kind of, a weird, kind of a weird phrase. I don't know about y'all, but normally I don't put beautiful and feet in the same, the same sentence. They're, they're kind of antonyms almost. You know, that, that's why I don't rock the, rock the chacos. You know, keep those feet covered up. You know, uh, just, a, just a public service announcement right here. You know, been rocking the chocs. You know, you feel free to keep on rocking them. But, you know, fashion has deceived us before. You know, the, the four-inch inseam for the 70s basketball players, you know, that probably wasn't the best look. And, you know, I, I can just picture my son, you know, later down the road, you know, just looking up at me and say, Dad, did you wear, did you wear Chacos? And I can look him in the eye and say, no, I did not. I did not. So, 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 so really, though, beautiful in feet. Well, what, what was the meaning behind that? But really... This is actually, um, <laughs> it is actually a metaphor, boom, you got it, of that it's actually talking about um, a direct quote of, from the book of Isaiah. Now, Isaiah was a prophet 600 years before the birth of Jesus Christ. And at, in this time when he's saying how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news, he's actually talking about the rescuing of the Israelite, the, um, the freedom that the Israelites were free from the Babylonians and from other eastern empires of the day. And they were coming back um, to Jerusalem. They were coming back to Israel. And, and how beautiful are the feet who proclaim the freedom, who proclaim the good news of freedom. And that's why we call it beautiful. Now, Isaiah knew at the time that Isaiah was actually prophesying to when Jesus Christ came. That Though this was a temporary freedom that he's talking about right here, that there is actually an eternal freedom that only Jesus Christ could bring us by the blood of Christ. That no government, no principality, no kingdom could ever take away from us. And that is why we call it the beautiful feet. That is why he says how beautiful, how precious, how special these feet are. And, and when we look at this, you know, this was a lot of scripture that I just covered here in about seven minutes. And uh, if I lost any of you guys, um, do, not, uh, do, do not go away discouraged, um, but come find me or Courtney after this. Um, or find Stephen and Katie. Just track them down and say, hey, Adam said this one thing. I, I don't really know what he was talking about. Um, he, he may have just been like ad-libbing and just going on with it. But truly, I, 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 want, I would encourage you guys, um, take some time. Pull Stephen and Katie aside, say, hey, what, what does this mean? And they will, um, they will fill you in, and they will tell you everything that you need to know about this. I'm going to gra- grab a drink of water real quick.
So one of the things is God has now given this responsibility to us, that God has given us the responsibility to go to the nations, and that, that begins with us. And when we talk about missions, one of the, you know, we probably all, you know, have known someone at some point that, 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 that went to the nations. You know, we have the team in Belize right now. And so I, what I want to do is just read a story um, from mine and Courtney's friends, uh, Terry and Melissa Rhodes. Uh, Courtney actually spent uh, three months with them in Bethlehem, um, in Palestine, um, working at a school with them. And uh, they, they have continued to um, reach out to the Middle East um, and have some pretty incredible stories of just what God is doing there. So what I want to do right now is just read um, just a little excerpt of one of the emails that they sent to us. So our good friends Terry and Melissa Rhodes moved to the Middle East over eight years ago when they felt God leading them to be as witnesses to the Muslim people. They have recently returned to the States, but consistently and frequently make trips to Iraq and Jordan to visit Syrian refugee camps and provide physical aid and the gospel to Muslims who are looking for hope. They meet many refugees who have had dreams of the man in white. It is simple to see that God is revealing himself to these people in their greatest time of need. They are able to simply share the love of Jesus and encourage Middle Eastern believers to stand firm. They told us one story about a Kurdish couple they met in a refugee camp in Iraq. Mimo and his wife um, were on the honeymoon. And if, there we go, there, there's a picture of them right there. Um, Mimo and his wife were on their honeymoon and f- had to flee to Syria because ISIS was coming. They fled to Turkey, but when they arrived, the Turkish government let ISIS come in because they did not care to protect the Kurdish people. They then fled to Iraq, where the church had opened their doors and allowed him and his wife to stay. After watching Arab Christians worship, and later after asking more questions about the Bible, Mimo and his wife came to faith in Jesus. They knew this was very different than Islam. Love is the most powerful weapon we possess. Love conquers. So now is the time for us to advance with the gospel. How can they hear without someone to tell them? There are many refugees like Mimo and his wife ready to hear the good news of Jesus. And this is just one of many stories. I mean, this is, this is just one area of the world that even within this own room, um, Lydia um, in the back has a heart for Bolivia, has been um, to Bolivia and just has a heart for there. Um, Tony um, just got back from, uh, from China. Um, there with crew, and, and just truly amazing what God is doing around the world um, and, and how he's sending people to be those um, laborers with him. Um, well, one of the greatest resources uh, that, that I think that we can ever go to to find out more about um, just what God is doing around the world is the Joshua Project. And I want you guys, I want to point you guys to this because um, they have statistics. And I'm, I'm an engineer, so I'm a statistics guy. I, I, like, you, you give me numbers to back up what I'm saying, you know, that's, that, that's way better than my words. So the, the, they got all the statistics. And, and one of the just the cool things that they um, produce is um, they talk about unreached people groups. And unreached um, means that they have currently no access to the gospel. Um, that whether it's because of their finances, whether it's the part of the world that they live in, um, whatever it may be, um, that they are just unreached. Um, and that they have no access to hear the freedom that God wants to bring to them. Um, so out of the 16,528 people groups of the world, yep, that's right, there's 16,000 people groups in this world. That, that actually kind of amazed me when I first read it. But 6,687 of them are considered unreached. That means that they have no access to the gospel. They have no access to that freedom that Christ wants to proclaim to us. And that, that, that's, that's over 40% 
40% of the world doesn't, doesn't know of Jesus. And I just want to let that sink in. And that may be even, you know, a little bit, un, you know, a little bit daunting of a number of like 6,000 people groups, 40% of the world, you know, do, do some quick math, you know, say, say there's, you know, 3 billion people in the world. You know, that, that's a lot, a lot of people. But with all this being said, we, we, we truly have a call on our lives to, to, to bring the good news. Um, and, and, and I don't know about you, but, I, you know, like I, I say, God, like I'm ready. You know, like, yeah, like, you know, make that 6,686 people groups. You know, I, I want to find that one people group and, you know, bring, bring the good news to them. But instantly, as soon as I start looking at those numbers, as soon as I start thinking about what I'm going to do, the, the enemy starts stacking up the list of why I'm not qualified. So he, he starts trying to lie to me and tell me that, hey, you know, you, you don't have, you know, a formal seminary degree. You know, you don't have the, the, the best theology. You don't, you don't speak seven different languages that you could go into a foreign country. You know, I go to a foreign country and I'm, uh, no habla espanol. Uh, <laughs> like, I, I, I don't have anything. And, 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 and honestly, that's what we become accustomed to in, um, in our daily lives. Because in the physical realm, we have to earn the right to be qualified. Um, whether you want um, that new promotion at work or you're applying for a credit card or um, my wife and I just bought a new house, bought our first house. We had to be qualified to buy the house, to, to qualify for the loan to buy the house. And that, that's exactly how we become accustomed to that. If we want something, we must be qualified for it. Um, and I, I don't know about you guys, but um, sometimes God uses things in the God uses things in our worldly life, in, our, in the physical realm, um, to teach us things in the spiritual realm. Um, for, for instance, this past week on Monday, I was uh, going to Atlanta on a business trip and flying out of XNA. It was a real early flight. Probably, I think the flight left at like 5.50 in the morning, so I'm there, you know, 4.50, and, you know, I'm, I'm feeling it. You know, I'm tired. I got my head down, you know, I'm looking up the lights. Oh, it's so bright. You know, but I realized, all right, I'm about ready to get on a plane. Probably should go use the bathroom. So, so, so I walked in the bathroom, you know, do my business. And as I'm, wa- as I'm walking out of the stall, I look to my left, and there's an elderly lady. And, and I realize, <laughs> oh, my goodness, I've just walked into the wrong bathroom. And I quickly walk out as fast as I can, just, just yelling and saying, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Uh, and, and any moment of me that was still asleep is now awake. <laughs> I have no idea what God, you know, why God allowed that to happen to me. But let me tell you, I'm hoping that one day there's going to be a spiritual lesson that God is going to teach me through that. Uh, another example of that is uh, in high school, I, I, did, I did track and field. Um, did, we got any track and field athletes in here? Anyone ever did some track? Yeah, y- y'all are crazy for, for running for fun, running as a sport. Uh, that was crazy. That's why I decided to throw the discus. And I don't know if you guys know what a discus is, but just think um, big, huge, 6'5", 250-pound men grunting and throwing a metal frisbee. Um, well, well, in case you didn't notice, I said 6'5", 250-pound. Uh, I'm here rocking the 5'11", skinny frame. Apparently, I didn't get the memo. But, uh, but, but, but somewhere along the line, I, I found some success. Uh, I, I'd like to attribute that to my, my coach, who also happens to be my dad, who's uh, right here in the back. Um, Got to call him out, make him uh, um, feel nervous about uh, being called out. But, um, um, 
So, so, so anyways, my sophomore year, I, uh, I had an opportunity to qualify for state. Um, and, and that was really kind of my goal of why I was doing track, why I was throwing the discus, is that I wanted to qualify for state. Now, this, see, the thing is, I had to earn the right to be qualified to go to state. And so in the state of Missouri, you have to qualify through districts and then through sectionals. And you have to, um, you, only the top four from districts and then the top four from sectionals qualify for state. And so I, I came into this soft, you know, the sophomore district meet, and I'm like, all right, huh? I'm ready, you know, now's my time. Like, I'm, I'm ready to be here, you know. I may be the youngest, I may be the smallest, but you know what, I, I, I'm gonna get it. Well, sure enough, I walk into the ring, and I look, and I look down my, the, the, the right sector line, and there's this tree just, just hanging over into the field where I'm about ready to throw my discus. And, and before I ever throw the discus, before I even step into the ring, I've already mentally disqualified myself because I'm looking at that tree and I'm saying, oh my goodness, like what happens if I hit that tree? You know, it's going to ricochet, hit a fan. It, it might come back at me. It may just get stuck up there in the tree. How are they going to measure that? And I have already mentally disqualified myself before I have ever stepped into the ring. And sure enough, I didn't qualify. Junior year, come around again. This time I, I make it through districts. I'm in sectionals. I'm actually, I'm actually projected, you know, if I, if I go out and do what I need to do, I will qualify for state. And I'm like, I'm there. I'm there. But once again, I step into the ring, and my, my arms start to feel a little jelly. <laughs> my knees get a little, little wake. They get a little wobbly. And once again, I mentally disqualify myself before I ever step into the ring. Now, senior year, did a different story. I, I finally, finally qualified for state. Um, finally... Um, broke through that mental disqualification that I had put upon myself. But the truth is, I had to earn the right to be qualified to go to this state track meet. I had to earn the right to be qualified, to, to put my list up there, you know, on the podium at the state track meet. And that is very much how our life is um, with what we do in our everyday. But the truth is, is that the freedom of Christ, we don't have to do anything to be qualified for that that we are already qualified through the blood of Christ. That when Christ went to the cross, he said, you're already qualified for everything that I need, that everything that I will ever ask of you. Yeah. That not only are you qualified, but I gave you the Holy Spirit to walk alongside with you. And that's something that we've talked about the last couple of weeks of just that everywhere we go, we have the Holy Spirit with us. And even more, he calls us sons and daughters. That that's how much he cares about us. That he he wouldn't just send us out and say, you're on your own. It's like, no, you're my son and my daughter. I'm going to watch over you. I'm going to look after you. And so the, what, what the enemy wants to do is the enemy is going to, we have to know the tactic of the enemy. And the enemy will always try to keep us from Christ. But if the enemy can't keep us from Christ, then the enemy will try to minimize our impact through Christ. And once we know that, we can combat that. We can say, no, like we're not believing those lies of the enemy and that we're actually going to be following along in Christ's footsteps to follow the, the call that Christ has put on our lives. That even though um, in, on this earth we have, to, we have to earn the right to be qualified, that we're already qualified. And, and, and I just keep on hitting this word qualified. And you see it on the, on the screen just over and over and over again, just qualified, 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 because that's what it is. You are qualified. 
It doesn't matter. Um, you may say, you know, I, I don't have, you know, the, I've only been a Christian for, you know, six months, for a year, for a couple years, you know, or, or I didn't have, you know, a great testimony. You know, I wasn't, you know, strung out on, you know, meth on the street, you know, but, but, but instead, you know, Christ is still using that story, that testimony that you have of what Christ has done in your life. And you, you may say, you may say, you know, like, I don't speak, you know, seven different languages, you know. How am I supposed to go to the nations? How am I supposed to even, you know, connect with the people that sit by me at work? You know, I, I have a tough enough time connecting with them. You know, they're just always in their computer. I don't even know how to start a conversation with them. No, you're qualified. You're qualified. You, you may say, I, I would rather belly flop off the high dive than, than get up in front of a room full of people and share, share the gospel, share my faith. And honestly, that if I'm being transparent, that that's me. And I know that probably doesn't seem right, seeing how I'm standing up here on stage in front of you guys. But but if I'm being transparent with you, like that is the most terrifying thing that I could ever do, and that is the scariest thing. And it's only from knowing where you stand with Christ that enables us to go to those things. And so that's how we know that we're qualified above all else, that it doesn't matter what, what you try to stack in the world against us, that we are qualified. And so um, every day, every day we have the opportunity um, to, to step out of the boat, to, to step out um, into the uncommon life that Christ has for us, that Christ does um, have a great purpose for us, and he wants to walk alongside us with that. And every day we have that opportunity. But what we do with that opportunity dictates, dictates the future that God leads us with. And so um, we, we, we have just an extreme um, love from God that he, that he is always for us, that he is always with us, and that his compassion will, will never, never cease. And so with that, if... When we step out of the boat and we step out, you know, into our work, we step, you know, out of bed and, you know, the, the, the kids are already crying, you know, the, um, whatever it may be, whatever obstacles that God has put in our life, that there is still truth and that God is always for us. And, and so when we go to work, what is our response going to be? Is it going to be an earthly response or is it going to be a kingdom response? Is it going to be a response of, you know, when that annoying person um, that sits next to you at work, you know, they're, they're a loud typer or they're, uh, you know, they, they, they just talk too loud on the phone or something like that. You know, are, are, are we going to um, sit back and just maybe I can make it through another day? Or are we going to step forward and say, hey, you know what, maybe, maybe this person had a bad weekend. I'm actually going to be praying that they would have a bad weekend so that when they come in here, I can ask them about their weekend and then say, hey, you had a bad weekend? Oh, can I pray for you, brother? Can, can, can I pray for you, sister? And like, just like that, a door has been open. But it's all through recognizing our impact, that God actually wants us to have an impact for the kingdom through the blood of Christ. You know, will, will it be that, you know, for me being an engineer, for that foreign uh, IT programmer who has never heard the gospel in his home country. In fact, no one in his family has ever heard of the gospel, has never heard of the freedom that Jesus Christ has for us. You know, but, but no one else, you know, can, you know, will, will even start a conversation with him because he doesn't have that good of English. Will, will I sacrifice my pride and say, hey, let, let me tell you about something. Let, let me tell you about this guy, Jesus Christ, and what he did for you. You know, well, you know, to, to, to make it more personal, what, um, if you have kids, you know, well, when they disappoint us, 
or when, when they um, disrespect you in some way or another? Will you um, say, oh, kids will just be kids, you know, kids are going to mess up, you know, but, but, but they'll learn from it, they'll end up all right? Or will we realize that this is actually the greatest chance of discipleship that we will ever have in front of us? That no matter you're right, you're wrong, you're up, you're down, that child will follow you no matter what, that they look up to you and that they admire you more than you will ever know. And um, just seeing the example of even my own parents in that, of, of recognizing that, of how powerful that is, that is, that is actually the greatest um, opportunity, and you will have an opportunity like no one else ever will to share the gospel with your child and to live that out of what it looks like on a day-to-day basis. And so, um, I, I don't want to go much longer. I don't want to take too much of your time. Um, I know my brother Tucker here has been going about 37 hours straight with no sleep. So uh, um, props to him, you know, loading up on the caffeine before coming in here, not, not falling asleep. But um, we, uh, um, I, I want to leave you with a question of what are you telling yourself today? Well, what are you telling yourself? Um, that, well, what are you telling yourself that you're not qualified of? that you've been disqualified, that you've already mentally disqualified yourself before you even stepped into the ring, before God had something for you, that before you, you know, the, the world was trying to lie to you and try to deceive you into believing something. Or well, what do we listen to? Are we going to listen to the word, the word of God that has proclaimed the freedom, that has proclaimed the, the message of the gospel, that we are free and we are fully um, just for him and not... Um, that we don't have to be concerned. That God says, hey, this one's on me. This one is on me. I, I, I got your back. You just step out of the boat. I, I'll take care of you. And, and, and so um, how, how do we respond? How, how do we respond with this? Of, you know, the, there's three responses um, that we have. And um, Nick, Nick um, if you want to get the rest of the band up here as well, um, feel free to come on up. Um, but how do we respond? And I'm just going to narrow it down three responses. Um, make it super easy. Three responses. Then number one, uh, our response in prayer. That we respond in prayer. And, and, and Jesus says, and Jesus said, pray for, the, um, pray for the laborers. For the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. You know, we, we look at those numbers before of, you know, there's, there's plenty of people out there that haven't heard the gospel. But pray for the laborers. Pray for those who are going out. Pray for our team in Belize. Pray for the teams that are going to come out of this church in the future, both nationwide, international, and even just here in northwest Arkansas. Pray for those. Secondly, our, our response is with giving that we respond with our giving. And, and, and once again, I want to hit um, that nail on the head that we are not, um, we do not earn favor with God through our giving we, we, um, that will get us to heaven one day. It's not a checklist that we have to give a certain amount in order to get to heaven, but our giving is a reflection of the heart. Yeah. And our giving, um, where our giving is and where our money is, that's where our heart will be as well. So if you lead with giving, your heart will follow. And so finally, the third response, our third response is, is in daily action. Every single day that we step forward with, step out of the boat and say, God, I'm yours. Whatever you have for me today, I'm yours. And it's as simple as that. 
these three responses, but that, that, that's what God calls for us. And, and it's not nearly as hard as we want to make it be. You know, it doesn't mean that our daily action means that we're packing our bags and there's a plane out at X and A going to, you know, to Tibetan mountains in Asia. But that we, we look in front of us to the people that are hurting all around us, to the people who haven't heard of the freedom that Christ, that Christ died for us, that Christ went to the cross so that we may be set free. And we are fully qualified. We are fully qualified in that. Thanks for listening. To see what's happening at The House, follow us on social media at the house underscore NWA.